Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of All the Hard Things. I have a super special guest here. Alex, I can't believe it's taken me this long to get you on my podcast. Like, why have we not done this sooner? You know what? I have no idea. I think it's because we're both busy people. Yeah. Parents. We're like constantly, yeah, just like all over the place. But you guys have Alexandra Reynolds here. Alex is here. We just did the IOCDF conference together in California, and it was incredible. It was one of my favorite conversations. She's an IOCDF advocate, a mom, among so many other roles and so many amazing things that she does. Alex, before we get into it and what we're going to talk about today, why don't you spend a quick couple minutes just introducing yourself and sharing a little bit about your story, which, by the way, I had no idea that it was such a long road for you. I saw your post about your story the other day, just about going inpatient and so much stuff. Like, I did not realize it was that intense for you. So tell us the things. How did you get to this point? That's like such a big thing. Yeah. So first of all, hi, my name's Alex. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Jenna. Long time no see. I, yeah, I'm an IOCDF advocate. I have been advocating within the community for a couple of years now. I am a mom to a four-year-old boy. I do facilitate some support groups with no CD as well as work with them on community outreach. And gosh, what else about me? I am currently working as a freelancer for Dr. Storch and Dr. Crowley with their Latino OCD genome project, which is really cool. And I'm going to graduate school in part thanks to Jenna. Thank you for writing me an amazing letter. I'm so excited for you. I knew that you knew it a couple of weeks ago and you shared your news with me, but you start soon then, right? Yeah, I start in December. I'm really excited. Oh, wow. That is amazing. And you're going to be so amazing. Oh, my gosh. Like, you just have the natural talent and the expertise and the you have all that it takes. So it's going to be so amazing. And I can't wait to just see you shine. You're too sweet. Oh, my gosh. So the reason we're here today is because, like we said, we were at IOCDF together. And we did this really awesome presentation on all of the ways that OCD can come up in new parents. So even if throughout the conversation we default and we say moms, it'll probably be mostly me, but we mean all caregivers, right? So this can happen to dads. It can happen to any other kind of caregivers. But we talked about the other ways that OCD can really affect caregivers, not just the what we typically are hearing more so nowadays, which is like the harm intrusive thoughts, the sexual intrusive thoughts, which I'm so happy that's even getting the recognition that it is because That's like a blessing, right? But there's also so many other ways that it can come up. So we talked about relationship OCD with your child. We talked about some other things, just general perfectionism and doubt and indecision. So we're here today to bring that discussion to you guys. 
in podcast form because so many people wanted that discussion to be filmed and it wasn't. Alex, do you want to, I'll throw it to you. Do you want to give a quick little summary about what we chatted about and why we, why you really wanted to talk about it? Because I think it was your idea. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? It might've been both of our idea. I think we'd been toying with it for a while, but yeah, sure. I'm really excited to talk about it. So I think that When we think of being a parent and having OCD at the same time, we think of that classic postnatal, postpartum OCD that can hit a lot of moms. And obviously that does need a lot of attention. It seems to be that it's limited to harm OCD and taboo thoughts, which obviously are a big deal and carry a lot of stigma. But it's certainly not the only way that OCD can present in mother's postpartum, and it leaves out the all the other parents slash caregivers that can also experience a spike in their existing OCD or who can potentially develop OCD after a child comes into the picture. And so I think it's really important that we examine those while creating a safe space for parents who have OCD to be in community with each other and have fellowship and advocate and raise awareness if they want to. And I just know there it came up for me in so many sneaky ways, like even with my at the time, like 10 years of experience and being able to otherwise go through someone's case with a fine tooth comb and find all the sneaky rituals and find all the sneaky ways that OCD was lurking. It felt like when it feels like when you're in it, you don't even realize it could be obsessive and compulsive until maybe after the fact. But a really good example, and I believe I talked about this at the conference, was there was a time where I was indecisive about how I spent my time with Eli on the three minute drive home from daycare. I was obsessive and compulsive about the integrity of our relationship is really what it boiled down to. But it came up in such a sneaky way of me being obsessive and very indecisive about what we listened to on the way home. Do I listen to what he wanted to listen to at the time was Elmo? Do I listen to what he wants to listen to? Do I listen to what I want to listen to? Because that's what I hear about on social media, that I need to take care of me. Do I just talk to him about his day? And then if I talk to him about his day, I'm not allowed to say, how was your day? I'm supposed to ask him to tell me about his day, but he's only two. And by the time I got home, of course, we had just sat in silence and done nothing. And in hindsight, that's clearly obsessive and compulsive, right? Like it was all about the integrity of our relationship. If we don't get this right, or if I somehow mess this up, it's going to impact the integrity of our relationship later on. If you could speak to it, what were some other kind of sneaky, non-conventional ways that came up for you? Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a good example. (laughs) I think in the kind of beginning of my postpartum phase, that was right when the pandemic was hitting. And so for me, it showed up as this spike in my contamination, which overall fits into that harm theme. But then coming alongside that was this compulsion of grieving. And I did not realize that emotions could be wrapped up in our obsessions and compulsions. And so I remember sitting in the armchair that I used to feed my son. And he was this little tiny, sweet baby. And I'm, he's asleep and he's, he's just looking so sweet and innocent. And I'm supposed to be enjoying this moment. As a new parent who'd overcome so many things to get to where I was. And instead I was crying. I was essentially planning his funeral, grieving, because to me, 
he was already as good as dead. Like I just knew that something was going to happen to him that was going to take him from me. And so I would have these moments where I was overwhelmed with joy at having brought this life into the world. And then immediately after I would be hit with the grieving because I felt like I was not supposed to be enjoying this because OCD was telling me that something is going to take your your baby son away from you. I resonate with that too. I had something that happened every holiday or like every momentous event. I remember getting my son's picture taken with Santa and I would always have this like doom feeling or this intrusive thought of you better really pay attention here because this is going to be the last time that you get to see this. Eli won't be here next Christmas. And it's like, how do you enjoy anything when you're just constantly thinking about death? No, 150%. I agree. It's really hard. And there are other sneaky compulsions, I think, that I experience even now. A big one for me is feeling this feeling of not being enough, not being a good enough parent and mentally reviewing everything I did during the day and then shaming myself for, oh, you weren't present enough or, oh, you looked at your phone five times and you should have been paying attention to him or you raised your voice a little bit and got frustrated. You're a horrible mother. And so just this constant mentally reviewing anything that happened during the day and then just putting myself down for it or focusing on my relationship with him and thinking he doesn't really love you. He didn't kiss you as many times today as he did yesterday. So he must love you less or he's mad at you. And it's just, it is such an awful, sneaky way for OCD to sneak in. And I think at first I wasn't on the lookout for it. And I thought it was just me really being a horrible parent. I really did. Right. I thought that I must be the most awful mom in the world. And I would sit in my closet after he went to sleep and I would cry. Mm hmm it's hard, dude. Like, I mean, it's, I don't know if there's any parent out there who just doesn't experience any lick of this whatsoever. But when you have OCD and anxiety, it's like, there's not a moment that goes by where you could potentially go down the rabbit hole. There's so many rabbit holes and it's a daily, hourly, like minutely effort to not go there. Yeah. Yeah. And then the fun part is, I think that the mental fatigue of the ruminating can make you so tired. And being room, being in that state of rumination will take you out of the present. So not only am I a little bit more irritable or snappy because maybe I'm ruminating, but then I'm shaming myself for ruminating and I'm tired, which also makes me a worse parent. Right. So it's like a cycle. And even now, so to record this podcast, first of all, how did we end up here where I am with my son three days a week in the summer? I was having a lot of intrusive thoughts towards the end of the spring school year. Towards the end of this school year, I had a lot of deep dives on TikTok. I had a lot of intrusive thoughts about school shootings, which is unfortunately not even that, ter like it's not even that outlandish anymore. At one point, it probably was bizarre and our worries were probably overly proportionate. But nowadays, it's not really. You could argue that it's not actually that bizarre. Call it OCD, call it whatever you want to, but I made the decision to keep Eli home for the summer. And I feel good about that decision. Like I'm actually, overall, we're having a great time together. But with that comes the potential for so much more of that indecision for me and comes so much of the potential for that rumination and just mentally reviewing 
it's okay. Like in order to do this podcast right now with you, Eli is on my bed, on my iPad, watching Netflix. (laughs) I feel horrible about that. Right. And so I'm constantly feeling like I have to negate any of that with some educational time. So, oh my gosh, like in order to get this time, in order really for me to feel better or like guilt relieved from that, I almost feel like we have to do this other cool thing together. It's like very neutralizing-ish and it really sucks. It's just, it feels like it's constant. And I don't know if as a parent, you can ever like totally get away from that completely. I was just like, I was laughing over here because I'm like, I can hear myself. And there's just, there's so much guilt already wrapped in being a parent, I think, whether you have OCD or not. And then you throw OCD into the mix and it's just this nagging, constant doubt and anxiety. And I have had those moments where my son is playing a game and I'm, I'm working or I'm in a meeting and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, everyone's going to see him playing a game and they're going to think I'm the worst mom. And you know what? I am. And then I feel like I have to go above and beyond and create all these really extra educational activities and really focus in on his his letters and his numbers and his reading. And I think it gets to a point where it's almost like it's excessive or it's compulsive. Because I'm doing that same thing. I'm trying to neutralize it by doing the most. And it's not healthy for me. It's probably not healthy for him either. For sure. Working on as an exposure, letting go of that. Yeah. I remember it was an exposure for me to just let Eli do whatever he wanted for a day. (laughs) And like he literally just sat on the couch and watched TV all day. And like he just ate whatever he wanted. And he said that was like one of his best memories. Like when we had a yes day together. And granted, obviously, we can't do that all the time. But It just goes to show, I think we're probably, you know this, and I know that I know this, we put way too much pressure on ourselves to be perfect, when in reality, like, they just want to be with us, right? Like, they just want to be around us. We don't necessarily need to worry about all the time that we spend on the pad or the time that we don't spend doing these other things. It's What if it's just as simple as them wanting to be around us and feel our presence? But I know it's obviously not that simple. Oh, I love that. And I think there's a whole lot of truth to it that we we forget about. And I think this strikes a lot of parents, not just parents with obsessive compulsive disorder, where there's this sort of hyper focusing on, oh, my gosh, we need to do this many minutes of educational stuff a day and they can't watch more than this amount of TV or it's bad for their brains and they have to go outside this this amount of time and they can only eat these things. And it's like. Why are there so many rules around parenting? It's confusing. And for someone like me with OCD, it is absolute fodder for everything to become an obsession and therefore a compulsion. I've spent so many times, so many hours researching how much TV can my son have? How much, you know, of this food can my son have? How many minutes does he need to be outside a day? And it's just, it is horrible. And I think it it should be simple. Like you said, Jonah, it should be just as simple as they're around us and they're spending time with us. And it shouldn't be, I don't know, it's not a real word, but pressure-y. Yeah. I think, and I've just noticed this, like from the clients that I've worked with, it seems like OCD 
regardless of the subtype, whether that's contamination or religious scrupulosity or people pleasing or relationship OCD, whatever, like their OCD always wants this like very nice, very finite, very black and white guidebook of how to be or how to know. So for instance, like with contamination OCD, they want this guidebook of like when it's okay to wash their hands and when it's not and how to wash their hands. With religious OCD, it's okay, I need this guidebook. And oftentimes it's like the Bible or whatever their religious kind of scripture is. And that can obviously be taken out of context with postpartum OCD too. And even in the conversation that we're having right now, it's, oh my gosh, I wish there was just a way, like a guidebook to know whether that's screen time or whether that's like, how do I know that I'm being a good parent? How do I know that I'm like not going to create a monster, right? But there's never any book. There's never any guidebook. And that's what's so hard and scary for people who have OCD because we just want this guidebook. And if it existed, then we would follow it to a T. But we have to be out here just like making these guesses. And everybody in the world can make those guesses. But for us, it feels like every move can be a wrong move. And it's just a scary kind of like landmine type of situation because it's like there's no way to know if you're being a good parent 100%. There's no way to know with 100% certainty if you and your son are going to have a good relationship in the future. There's no way to know with 100% certainty if someone's going to die early. And that's awful because being a mom, being a parent is the ultimate uncertainty. Like you honestly don't know. And I think that's why it's so awful for us because you truly don't know and you'll never know. I'm so triggered. <laughs> I know. It's awful. <laughs> it's so sad listening to you say all that stuff, but it is 100% the truth. We don't know. And it, p- being a parent really is the kind of ultimate uncertainty. And it takes so much work, I think, to lean into that and say, you know what? Maybe I am doing the wrong thing. Maybe I am going to screw up my son. Maybe he is going to grow up to be a serial killer, but I'm going to do this thing right now. <laughs> Whatever that may be, I'm going to make this choice because this is the best choice I have at this time. Because otherwise, I feel like it's so easy as a parent to get stuck in this loop of indecision over absolutely the tiniest things. Even spoons, which spoon to feed your baby with. I remember that becoming a huge compulsion for me and buying so many spoons, trying to find the right spoon. (laughs) You probably like never want to see another spoon again. I'm over it. There's so many different spoons downstairs. I'm like, what am I going to do with all these spoons? Now I don't have I don't have a baby anymore. They're just there. But I think something that I wanted to touch on, Jenna, was this focus on postpartum OCD and how a lot of times we miss either for moms that perinatal period or even for expecting parents the that perinatal period where I feel like my OCD really spiked and I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. What was going on during that time? And it's funny, my pregnancy was wonderful. It was beautiful. It was, I really liked being pregnant, which I know a lot of people are probably just groaning at that, but I really enjoyed it. But I remember thinking a huge obsession of mine was like my due date and when he was coming and how I didn't want him to come because I wanted him to stay inside where I knew he was safe. Oh, yeah. I know. And I also had a lot of, you know, what some people will call sort of decision-making OCD or just OCD around my son's nursery. So every few days I would go in there and redo the whole thing because it didn't feel right anymore. 
I would spend just countless hours ruminating on the most minute detail, like the right curtains, the right paint. Is this toxic? Which one's the best car seat? And it was looking back on it, it was very distressing to me. And it was an unreasonable amount of time. I remember leaving the hospital with him and looking back and I should have been so excited to leave the hospital with him. And I was thinking in my head, no, I want to go back. Yeah. I don't want to take this baby home because it doesn't have a manual with it. So what am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. I was literally like, I was like so lost. I was like, I'm going to be so lost without the nurses. I'm not going to know what to do by myself. And what about when he starts praying? <laughs> I don't know yeah. make him still Oh my gosh. Yeah. I So like the most vulnerable, most helpless feeling ever. And it, I don't know your thoughts on this. I think I felt a lot that way too, like just helpless and hope. I don't know what to do. Just like, I felt very clumsy. I felt very clumsy. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And yes. I don't know what your like previous to like becoming a mom, what your experience was, but I was super, I will just say right now, I am all about positive reinforcement and I need to know that I'm doing a good job. And I was used to getting A pluses and 4.0 GPAs and raises at work. And there's nothing that exists quite like that when you become a mom. You don't get like that positive reinforcement from your baby. You don't get that reassurance, at least overtly, you are on the right track and that you're doing well. Like, to your point, my son is at the point, too, if I don't give him exactly what he wants some of the time, he will fight back with something nasty. I hate you. You guys are the worst parents ever. And it's, oh, my gosh, we just took you to the freaking amusement park all day today. Literally gave you everything that you wanted. Spent all the most amazing time together in the world. And because I am telling you to turn off Bluey at nine o'clock at night, we're the worst parents ever. You, especially if you are used to those external reinforcers of praise and you're doing a good job and getting the A's and the raises and stuff like that. Like it really forces you to have to self-reflect on how you think you're doing. And that is just a disaster zone when you have OCD, because obviously we think that we always suck. Yes. Oh my gosh. So I will admit that I'm not quite as used to all that external motivation as you are, Jenna, because I was not always the best student. And if you follow my story at all, you'll know that I really struggled a lot. I struggled in school. I struggled holding down jobs for a long time because of my severe undiagnosed OCD and substance use. But by the time I had my son, like I had managed to scrape it together enough to start getting some of that and start doing well at, in a career and start getting that feedback from my husband. And so I felt like I was doing okay. And then I had my son and I was like, oh no, what is this? They give you no feedback. They get the only feedback you get is crying. And I was like, I don't know if I'm doing this right or not, very much like you said. And yeah, that self-reflection when I would sit at the end of the day and he'd cry at two in the morning. I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm the most horrible parent in the world. Why can't I get him to sleep? Why can't he just wake up happy? And yeah. I, I, right. I, like I was other people That on social media, you, that's all what, right? Because if you, it's the confirmation bias. When you go out in public and you have this perception that my baby is the only whiny baby and every other baby is happy, you're going to seek out information that confirms that to be true. 
you're gonna be like, of course, Eli is upset right now. Of course, all these other babies are happy and it distorts your perception. But life is tricky like that. You, Whether it's social media or just your own kind of cognitive distortions when you go out, like it's all, it can all be very reinforcing to the sadness and the anxiety and the doubt that you have already going on in your head. Yes. And that's, you bring up such an excellent little tangent there with the social media, because I think social media can be especially harmful to parents who have OCD because everybody's out there with like their parenting blog or their mommy blog or their mommy Instagram or their daddy TikTok. And it just, it makes you feel like an inferior parent when you already feel like you're inferior. And I know I found it really easy in those early morning hours when I was holding my son to get him to sleep, to go down these rabbit holes of what these other people's parenting experiences were. And it made me depressed. And I felt like I had to be the only one out there struggling as much as I was. And like I had to be doing every single thing wrong in order to be at this point where I was struggling so much. And it took me a really long time to make an appointment with my therapist to talk about all of this because I was ashamed. I was embarrassed. I thought that for sure he was going to come on little telehealth app and be like, Alex, you are the worst mom ever. How could you how can you be doing this? Yeah, it's all wild how we wrap ourselves up in our own brains so much and we overlook all of the awesomeness that we're doing. Like you're setting such a great example for your son. And I always try to remind myself too, like one day if Eli, God forbid, ever struggles with OCD, it's very possible. But I always try to ask myself, and I know we talked about this in the IOCDF talk, how, what would I tell him? Would I want him to beat himself up the way that I am beating myself up right now? Absolutely not. And so. I think I mentioned in the talk, like we have a responsibility to try our best, even though it's going to be super, super hard. And that muscle is going to take some effort to build. I feel like I have a duty to try to be as decent with myself as I would want him to be with himself. And like, that is something that gives me a nice little reality check multiple times a day. So I'm curious as we wrap up here, like what other advice would you possibly give to anybody out there who's listening, who feels like, oh my gosh, that is me. Maybe they have an OCD diagnosis or maybe they don't, but they're a new parent. What advice would you give them on this wild ride? Oh my gosh. I think the first thing I would say is self-compassion, self-compassion, self-compassion. It has been such a huge game changer for me, not just with OCD, but in respect to parenting in general. Learning to offer yourself grace in those moments where you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm such a failure. It can be really helpful and it takes time to develop self-compassion, I think. But when, when I can stop that sort of guilt and self-judgment train, I find that I'm a lot more effective in parenting because I'm not doubting myself as much and I'm feeling a little bit more clarity around things and I'm recovering from the rough moments a little bit better I'm, and I'm actually a little bit more present with my son. The other thing would be find find support. You know, whether it's a therapist or friends or neighbors, it doesn't have to be immediate family. If you have immediate family, that's great. But I think reaching out to people and not isolating is huge. I know when I was isolating, 
I was at my lowest point. And it wasn't until I finally reached out for help that I started to get better. And part of that was just because I had someone to hold space for me and listen. For sure. Yeah. I initially had a talk therapist before I initially got into my ERP therapist and just luckily I was able to compliment that work with my own knowledge of ERP and how I knew that I needed to reduce certain rituals and push myself outside of my comfort zone. I don't think that I would have gotten better had that not been the case, but just having that moment like where you are not being judged, where you can just be yourself and let it out, that was really helpful for me. And I will never forget my talk therapist, even though I would never recommend talk therapy in and of itself for OCD. Yeah, that space, like just being able to, whether it's with a friend, someone who you trust, being able to find that support, another parent or another caregiver who's going through it, there's nothing quite like knowing that you aren't alone. And some of my favorite books and resources that were super, super validating for me in that time were, there's a book by Karen Kleiman called Good Moms Have Scary Thoughts. And just even if you Google that book, you'll get a lot of Google images of some really awesome cartoons and drawings and depictions from that book. And it's, oh my gosh, that's so me. I'm not alone. I'm not the only mom out there who's having this issue. Like it's not just me being a bad mom. And then also at on Instagram at not safe for mom group. It was the first experience that I had with moms actually being real. It's everybody just being super anonymous. And obviously when you can imagine when you have that blanket of anonymity, you're able to be a little bit more real. And that really helped me being able to actually see through the bullshit of social media and see like (laughs) actual real life anonymous accounts of how awful sometimes parenting can be. It made me realize that I am so not alone. It's just that we're not talking about it because there's so much shame and so much stigma. I love that. I love that. And I would piggyback off of that to say one of the best things I did for myself as a parent early on was to unfollow all of those mommy accounts, leave all of the mommy Facebook groups. Just I just did digital purge of all of that stuff. I stopped reading the bump. Like I just I stopped because none of it was helpful for me. And it may be helpful for someone else. And that's awesome if it's helpful for you. But all it did was create space for ruminations. And honestly, this kind of toxic positivity that was really unhelpful for me as I was struggling. And I can see where there may be value for some. But I think like you said, Jenna, it's really important that we have a space where we can be real and we can say two things can be true at once. We can love our children with all of our hearts and absolutely do anything for them. I would give my life for my son in an instant. And we can also admit that sometimes being a parent is horrible. Mm -hmm. It's like, I would give my life for you, but I need you to leave me the F alone. (laughs) Yes. Like literally, I love you so much. Oh my God, you are the best and I adore you. However, if you don't stop asking me to repeat myself over and over right now, I think I might actually scream. Yes, 100%. And it's okay to experience both of those things at the same time. That's okay. I love that. I love that so much. And that's what one of the things I love the most about you, Jenna, is I know that I can always come to you with those parenting moments and you will validate it. 100%. So good. 100%. And we need more of that. We need more of that. I cannot tell you how 
awful I felt and how alone I felt and all of these thoughts. And then once I had the courage to actually stand up and say that this is something that I struggle with and this is something that really has affected me, everyone started coming out of the woodworks, right? It's no one wants to say it until someone else says it. And then it's okay. Someone was the trailblazer. It's not just me. So I can say what I've been wanting to say too. It's I hope everybody out there has a little bit of that courage to speak up or as they feel comfortable, share something that's going on for them and to be vulnerable because chances are, especially when you're talking to new parents, they're struggling more than you think they are. They're just not talking about it. I agree. And I hope that for those who are listening, you know that no matter where you are on your kind of parenting slash caregiving journey, that you're not alone, that it really is okay to struggle and it's okay to absolutely hate it sometimes. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. I love that. So on that note, Alex, thank you again so much for being here. I want to make sure that I give you one last kind of nod here to be able to have people learn more about you. If you want to share your Instagram handle or anything else that you have going on, I will share all of it in the show notes to you guys. So if you want to head to the show notes, you can find her more there. But Alex, where can people follow along on your journey and learn more about you? Oh, yay. Thanks. <laughs> so they can follow me on my Instagram. That's where I'm probably the most active right now. And it is at Alexandra is obsessed. I am also on TikTok under the same handle, although admittedly, I do not give TikTok as much love because it's just not good for my mental health, but I am there sporadically. Where else? I will have a website soon and I'll share that with you when I have it, Jenna. But you can also follow along with me at the IOCDF. I'm often on their live streams. And if you want to see past streams I've been on, you can go to their YouTube and find me there. Amazing. I will link all of those in the show notes, like I said. Thank you so much for being here. I cannot believe that it took me this long to, to make it happen, but it was amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jenna. what you're hearing sounds kind of a little bit too right up your alley and you haven't checked them out yet, I want you to go after this episode and check out my master classes. No more band-aids for OCD and anxiety. We are going to conquer this thing once and for all together. And yes, with or without a therapist. I have master classes available on my website that start at $27. I am here for you. You can go to my website right now, www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com and click masterclasses. These are all based on evidence-based strategy that works and they are truly the perfect blend of education, motivation, and step-by-step -step strategies that you can use right away. So again, go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash masterclasses. Two crowd faves, just so you know, are the OCD and anxiety cycle and ERP basics. When you want to learn more about OCD and anxiety, this masterclass is the answer to finally understanding all of your confusing and paralyzing thoughts. By the end of these masterclasses, you are going to feel so much less alone and you'll be like, oh my God, finally someone gets it. So many people who have been in treatment for years took the OCD and anxiety cycle masterclass and told me that they still learned so much. Then we have the ERP basics masterclass. That's for when you're actually ready to take action with OCD and anxiety. And that is ultimately your best starting point. 
You're going to get all the information that you need to start implementing actionable steps right away. No longer is ERP going to seem like the paradoxical and totally freaking backwards intervention that you probably think it is. It will make so much sense. And by the end of it, you may just be a little bit excited to get started. So head to my website, www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash masterclasses to get started. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.